Welcome to my podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm a realtor in South Central Alaska, and my mission is to help people build intentional and significant legacies for themselves and their families by coaching them in real estate. One of the questions I get asked uh, fairly frequently is, what is it like you know, living in some of these more, I'm going to use air quotes, like off-grid remote <laughs> locations? And uh, to help me do that, I decided to bring in a, a friend and colleague of mine in real estate, uh, Ken Hagler, to kind of talk about what it's like living up near the, the Willow Talkeetna area. So he's going to be talking about some of his experience living in um, some of these more remote locations. So, um, Ken, thank you very much for joining us. And you know, we're looking forward, to, looking forward to diving in today. Well, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to having a chance to... Uh, to, to talk about this and spend a chance to hang out with you some more. Um, so looking forward to it. Outstanding. So real quick, um, just some housekeeping for those of you who are hopping on right now. Um, these live streams are only as useful as, you know, as, um, as the questions and comments we have coming in from you guys. So if you have a question, chances are there's probably about 10 other people with the exact same thoughts either now or in the future. So please make sure you drop those comments in the comments section and let's get those questions answered for you. Um, these are really awesome, useful live streams when we have a lot of interactions. So do not be shy. So Ken, um, let's go ahead and start with this real quick as people are getting in. Why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about your kind of your Alaska story? Uh, what is it that that um, got you up here to Alaska? <laughs> And then specifically, what is it that uh, that got you in kind of the kind of the um, much more nor northern part? Which actually, real quick, let me uh, let me just share my screen with everybody so you can kind of see what it is that I'm looking at. You know what? I'm not confident enough to, to try to share my screen <laughs> with StreamYard. Okay, so it's you can look it up on your own map. Look it up on your own map. <laughs> But yeah, um, Google will help that. Yeah. Yeah. Google no will help with that. So yeah, it's a, it's a ways out there. So Ken, why don't you go and talk about, um, you know, what got you um, there and just Alaska in general? Yeah. Wow. So I don't know if we have all the time for that, but um, you know, I think one thing that I've learned in being in Alaska, everybody that's here has a story um, mine comes about, if you can't tell by the accent, um, uh, I'm a Southern boy, um, and, uh, had spent the last, uh, 20 years down in Georgia. Um, and, uh, for most of my life, I've been a pastor and, uh, was a pastor. Um, and I lost my first wife, um, to cancer. Um, and, um, in the, the years following that, um, I, uh, during the wonders of technology, um, was in a group on Facebook of widows who we were all kind of getting back into the dating, uh, pool, um, after losing spouses. It wasn't a dating site. We always say that. Um, but, uh, we were all just trying to, yeah, well, we were just all trying to encourage each other because, you know, you know, it, it was, it's a different journey. And, um, uh, my my wife now and I met on that uh, page and we started uh, over Facebook Messenger. We started having a conversation. Uh, we flew and met each other. We met each other's kids um, and we dated and talked um, for 
for about a year or so. Um, and we're flying, flying across the country. Um, and, uh, we finally decided, Hey, we wanted to, uh, to give this a shot. And so the first part of that journey was I drove cross country with all of my stuff to Idaho, um, and was there for two years. And she and I, I then flew up and she and I drove down the Alcan together, um, moving her things. And we met basically in the middle of the United States. If you think about it, when you put Canada there, so it was about, just over 2000 miles for each of us to make those journeys. And, uh, so we were in Idaho for two years and then, um, just kind of looking at what worked best for us, for us and our family. I, uh, I made the decision and then at talking with her and said, you know, I think the best thing for us is if we go back to Alaska and so uh, there was an opportunity for me to come and pastor a church here. And uh, all this happened in the middle of COVID. We, we had a caravan and it was four vehicles. And we left together with family and drove um, at the right time. We got approved by um, all of the countries and nations that had to happen and following the protocols. I never had anything like it. And we had, I think it was, we had five days to get up the Alcan. And I mean, we had our last, our last drive um, from our last stop in a lot uh, from in Canada, we drove 21 hours straight um, to Anchorage. And uh, I, <laughs> the funny thing was I pulled up and stopped. And when I did, we were we had one of our vehicles was a diesel um, Ford pickup truck um, and uh, hauling our fifth wheel, and apparently because of the type it was, it had uh, the it was a six O and and those of y'all that are, are diesel folks out there know exactly what happened. It became a milkshaker, and so the uh, the coolant and the oil got mixed and. Needless to say, we managed to pull that truck into the driveway and that's where it sat until we got it towed to a shop to get fixed. So, so our journey, um, was, was quite a one. I have I had, it took me a while to be able to talk about it cause it was, it was tough. I got interrogated at the, the border with Canada and I'd never been interrogated before. Um, literally and, interrogated, um, not, uh, not just literally talk with you. Yeah. <laughs> No, no. I mean, it really was. And literally it was, why are you, you know, why are you doing this in the middle of COVID? And they were like, you know, where are you going? And, you know, do you have the verification? And can you describe the house that you're moving to? Uh, literally, what is the color scheme on the house? They had all of the information um, that even though I had a driver's license at that time, that was Alaska. And it was for the home. He said, you've never actually lived in the home full time, have you? You know, I mean, that was the level of interrogation. They already knew all of that information. Um, so it, it was it was something to, to say the least. So um, for us, you know, that was that was kind of the that was the impetus of coming up here. And so uh, um, that also then led to where I'm at as a career change and uh, going into real estate um, for, for the next period of my life. Um, I've been blessed to, uh, to serve a great church here, um, in Anchorage at Anchor Park. Um, 
United Methodist Church, just a great group of folks that welcomed us, helped us to be a, even more part of Alaska. But my wife had been here for over 20 years. And, uh, and during that time, um, her and, uh, and uh, their family had purchased a small cabin uh, up in the wilderness. And uh, as we were up here and we got looking at it and talking about it and thinking about what we wanted to do, uh, we pointed our fingers to say, hey, we want to do more with that property. And that's where we want to to transition our life um, into uh, being uh, the Alaska wilderness, more a part of who we are. So um, that's that's led us to kind of where we are now. We're really uh, splitting time between uh, our place in, in Anchorage and uh, our our place out in the wilderness out there. So, um, you know, that that's kind of where we're at and uh, uh, and learning a lot <laughs> along the way. Yeah, I, I bet, which uh, real quick, we've got some got some questions already rolling in here. Are you ready to ready to take a few so far? Yeah, yeah, throw them okay. out there. I see a few popping up. All right, so we've got one from Seattle Crime Gal. What is the scariest thing living off grid, and what is the most rewarding? So I guess real quick. Oh wow! How would you define off grid? Oh wow! Yeah, so That's, I, we're just James, we're just gonna jump right into the <laughs> right into the controversy here. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. So I'm actually, if you don't mind, I want to give a shout out um, over to Bush Radical, um, who this week did a great video um, talking about what off grid is, and I've you know I've watched different videos of that, and you'll hear me say that we live in the wilderness because I think that gives a, a good distinction. So being off grid as, as we understand it, and, and I think even my wife and I may have some uh, disagreements about that. I, I look at off grid as somebody ultimately, if you're off grid, you are not dependent on any of the electrical or water system, sewer systems that are, you're looking at the government to say you're supplying this. Um, and for some, they'll even go farther for some off grid would say that includes you are no longer on the road system. So you have to either snowshoe or ski into your place in the winter or snow machine it. Uh, or in the summer, you're taking, um, you know, you've got to, you've got a narrow path for your truck or you're taking the ATV or even to the point of you've got a float plane or you've got a small landing strip that you're landing your plane on. So for us, we look at it as we are in the wilderness. So we are on the road system. Um, and what we're able to do is have um, the opportunity to access um, electrical. Um, and uh, But we're, we are working our way towards not. Um, and having at least as a backup, um, having solar, but even being on the grid system, we have a backup of uh, using generators. Um, a lot of folks are off grid using generators. Um, sometimes I think it's hard for people to even think about that. Um, but you know, for us and for most folks, you being on the generator, if you're on grid, you're you, that, that big box out by your house. If you, if you get what's called a transfer switch, there's a big switch that goes from grid to off 
to generator and you switch that sucker around um, whatever you you need um, there are those that are dependent on going to, to the wells um, they have a well or they go to um, a number of places uh, have um, uh, spring access and those are pipes and folks will go get water directly from a spring uh, to do that um, so for us, uh, when we kind of look at it, uh, we have an outhouse. When you're living in the winter, you want an outhouse. <laughs> it's just you, you want an outhouse. And, yes, I have used the outhouse in negative temperatures. Um, it's not particularly pleasant. we got work to do on that. But we got a great outhouse, I'll say. Um, and uh, But we also have indoor plumbing because we have a well. Um, and so... Uh, that's a part of what we got. We've got, we can have, we can have a shower, uh, which we do. Um, we've got a tub, we've got, um, we got a sink. We've got, we actually have one and a half baths, um, in our place in inside. So, um, as far as the scariest thing living off grid, well, I'll tell you in the short time, um, the two things that have happened, I think, that have been most terrifying um, has nothing to do with the animals. Um, <laughs> and uh, that may be for some people um, was um, when our our main pipe froze from the well, uh, our main line froze from our well to our cabin um, this year, um, right at the very beginning, which was terrifying. So one of the things I, I'm going to do a, uh, a short on that in my uh, Ken comes in handy tips um, about how to uh, the equipment used to thaw out a, a pipe. Um, that was terrifying because um, it was like, what are we we're we're going to have to kill this thing before we even get started because. Um, you know, for my wife and I, you know, that was just really not an option at that point was to go to a spring to get water. Uh, we would have to change a whole lot. So, um, and I think that the other thing was running out of gas, um, when, uh, we did have to switch over this winter from the grid onto our, um, our generator. So, uh, um, and uh, so that the, both of those were kind of like, you know, it's like, OK, what did we learn from this and quickly adapt to, you know, we had already prepared for everything. I mean, here's the thing that, you know, so it's easy to say, well, you know, you should have been prepared for your line freezing. No, it, it doesn't work that way. It's not that easy. I mean, our, our line is buried. It's insulated. It has a uh, um, uh transfer tape around it to keep it warm you know it's the little things and at the same time the r pipes froze i was talking to um a buddy and uh who works on plumbing and said same time our pipe froze there was a whole lot of people up in fairbanks that had the same thing happen, and they knew what they should have been doing um so you know we learned and you know that's that's part of it and uh, thankfully we were able to do it before anything happened um the most rewarding thing um, besides that, I really like to drive our John Deere tractor. Um, that's really cool, um, as a redneck, but, um, the other piece, I think the most rewarding thing is when you go outside and there's not a sound to be heard and there is nothing there and it is just quiet. And then the sled dogs start barking down the road. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get to the sled dogs. Sled dogs are are in the queue. 
Okay. Are they in there? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's in our questions here. All right. So we've got uh, about 11 questions here. We're going to skip through okay. a couple of these um, on, on the quick here. And then we'll go ahead and continue on a little bit more with the uh, scheduled programming. So coming in with from Nigel, and that context of definition of off-grid is a much the same in terms of direction. So how Willow versus Cots? Um, I think huh. you can live off-grid. Um a lot of places um in alaska it uh, i know there is a off-grid uh i believe that uh i'm trying to remember the channel um that they're living down in either homer or soldatna um you know so you can do the thing about off-grid you can do it a lot of places and when i lived in idaho i mean that was a big thing there uh, there were people that lived off grid um, in uh, in not just northern Idaho, but throughout Idaho. So I don't think that's particularly um, dependent on it. Um, you know, as far as uh, as far as direction, it it does seem a lot of folks when you when you go on YouTube that it's yeah it's a north of a of Anchorage, but you can go. Um, granted, you can't really go too far west because then you're living out in the ocean um there's some islands out there and the Aleutians that you can go to um and those folks are pretty much living off grid um in a lot of ways but they're dependent on a lot of things to support them but to live what i think is typically thought of um I, I, there's people that throughout alaska that are doing that so i don't think direction really has um, um much help. thanks for that question that's a good question though because um, it, it really kind of dispels um, some of those myths about what it's like. Oh, got it. So I just got a little clarity from Nigel. She just uh, meant is all off-grid the same off-grid? And I don't know. I guess that kind of depends on the area that you're in. Um, I guess to a certain extent, really, it's kind of the same definition, though. Is this property in and of itself self-sustaining or are you... Do you have regular utilities and support coming in? I, I think that definition kind of holds true regardless where you're at. Yeah, and and I think there is some debate about that. That's why, like you said, it is a little bit of a controversy. What does off-grid mean um, exactly? Um, because you can live in the middle of the city of Anchorage, and if you do things correctly, you could potentially be off-grid. Um, but you know, the only problem you'll have is the road system. And, and I think that's where there's the idea of um, the roads. Well, there's a whole nother piece about learning to live in Alaska is the road system. Um, and, uh, you know, for us, yeah, we, that was not a direction either of us wanted to go um, as far as how we wanted to live. We wanted to stay on the road system. That was important to us. So while, while we live back on um, back roads and, um, you know, dirt roads, yeah, we're still on that part of the grid. I see the grid as kind of a bigger thing. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. yeah, I mean, the thing is when most people contact me and say, hey, I want to go live off grid. Usually my questions after that is really about trying to like pinpoint, okay, are we talking real true off grid or are we just looking for some some remoteness and some distance from your neighbors? Because I, I think that's what most of us are thinking of. It's a... <laughs> It's right. a completely, yeah. completely different lifestyle change. 
Okay, right. so let's let's jump into a couple more here. Got one in here from Brandon. So can you talk about the infrastructure in the Willow area? I know there's not much. <laughs> um yeah, so you know, I, I think there's more than you know what people realize. It you know, the Alaska State Troopers provide law enforcement um really for the entire state. Um there's not many police forces. So as far as that infrastructure goes, um, you know, if you're looking for that, um yeah, we're we're dependent on the uh on on the state troopers. Um fire department is a volunteer, thankfully. We are close to one of the volunteer fire departments, which was built not too long ago. So it's really nice. Um, there is um, there uh, uh, the uh, the Sunshine Clinic um, up in our way is a federally qualified clinic and provides uh, a lot of different things um, to to help um, the Talkeetna Clinic actually in the parking lot is designed to be cleared out so helicopters can get in. And that's really the trauma center you know, so they can get folks out into Anchorage. Um, one thing that uh, my wife taught me the other day was there's a reason that there's also really big stretches of the highway uh, up that way. It's so folks can uh, emergency land uh, their airplanes um, when they need to. So, uh, you know, that's a big part of it. Um, you know, there are, um, as opposed to, um, I, I guess, I, I'm still... I'm still pretty new out there as far as how the city councils kind of operate because they're not really cities. We live in boroughs and as a Southern boy, I grew up in counties. So that's been a really different approach to things. And the cities or the towns or the villages are all, um, I think we're villages is what we're classified out that way. Um, which has a whole nother set of connotations in Alaska too, because there's native villages and then there's what we think of as small towns or villages um, so, you know, there's not, um, that, that I've come to understand, we don't really have the, uh, I, much of the infrastructure, most everything is really based out of, uh, Wasilla as far as, you know, things, um, out that way. That's really our borough, um, central. Um, I think we have like these town councils, but I'm really not even sure how all that work. I, I got to say, I can't speak to that completely. I'm still kind of new to it. Um, one of the important things in both of Talkeetna and Willow is the fact, and even Trapper Creek, uh, they have post offices. So, um, you know, that's really where we get a lot of our information is going to the post office um, to look at the boards and what uh, gets pinned up. And, you know, city council is one of those things that's there. Um, infrastructure, though, also includes in Talkeetna and Willow, we have public libraries, which I am uh, I'm the son of a librarian and proud of that. And uh, the libraries out there contain an incredible amount of information and um, resources for really both areas would be classified as underserved populations. So um there really is a lot of even even it to live out there. If you are on the grid, you got to be self-sufficient. You really have to be able to take care of yourself to even to sit there and say, hey, I'm on, you know, water. I'm on electrical. I'm on the road system. You know, no one's getting to you quickly. And so, um 
that uh, the joke about you know why women live longer it's because they plan and they think about it <laughs> and uh you know that that's a key part of it um and uh and we kind of have to always be aware of that uh in the needs of the community so there's there's a lot still i have to learn i, I can't tell you um that i'm the expert on on all things there but i hope that gives you some a little bit more information right i mean really we should do like one live stream it is going to be dry and probably boring as all get out, but we're going to have one person who's like an expert in local governments and it's going to be like, okay, we're all going to sit through this. This isn't going to be getting a whole lot of likes, but you know what? Dadgummit, we're going to do this. <laughs> and we're going to yeah. do the history portion too. But anyway, I've just got a yeah. quick question in from... Uh, the one and only Val Burgess. So flyout villages are more off-grid or at least off-road with some of the same amenities and some infrastructure as the larger communities. And I mean, she, um, yeah, you know, does work in one of those more remote villages. Yeah. So yeah, she definitely is an expert in that. So. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and my wife did too. So yeah, I want to, you know, really give a shout out because, you know, those are places that are, far more than than what we think of but boy i tell you what the way we're doing it is kind of glorified right now so you know but it's not what i I hope this is helping people to know it's not quite what folks think yeah i mean it's kind of like oh how many toes do i want to step on here um (laughs) i guess it's i guess it's kind of like watching like the the old western movies and be like oh i want to go like live in montana or idaho or somewhere like that now and you get there and it's not quite exactly the the same thing but okay so we've got lots more questions coming in here um guys we are we're going to get to the questions again in just a minute but we need to make it a little further than past our uh, our first scheduled question here so we'll go, we're going to circle back to the comments section in just a bit here yeah uh, you got a former beer or you got a still pastor i can run my mouth for a long time so <laughs> all right well we'll we'll treat it the uh, the fire round style all so right sounds good is, all right. So what is the lifestyle like there? You know, talking specifically for kind of that, that Willow Talkeetna area. Yeah. I mean, you live in um, Anchorage too, so you can ha- kind of have a good comparison between the two. Yeah. Um, the, I think one thing I've learned about Alaska being here, um, because it's kind of taking it all in, you know, it is, in, it's incredibly relaxed. Um, it is, it is slow. And it is intentional. Um, and there is a there's a serious part of this of of hibernation, um, living up here and preparing for that time of year. And I don't think that matters where you are, but certainly, you know, that difference of two hours to three hours north of here, it's darker and it's significant. I, I know there was a question about you know, getting used to things from the South, um, being from Georgia and North Carolina, um, where I, I grew up to being up here. Um, I, I think when, when I, it, it isn't, it, for me, it's not been the cold as much as it really was that initial getting used to the way the seasons of the year and light, um, you know, cause when it, when it's dark here, it's dark. And when it's dark out in Willow and Talkeetna, it's even darker. 
and uh it, it's it's crazy the difference and it doesn't take much um but it it is very slow and it's like i said it's very intentional you know you don't waste your time and you don't waste your gasoline um you know if you got what you need you know people make big trips down um to anchorage but going as we were talking before the show before you know out there when you when folks say they're going to the city they're going to wasilla and Palmer, they're, they don't think in Anchorage. Um, and, uh, but when they go to the city, it's a Costco run. Um, you know, it, it's the, it's a stock up and taking a truck and a trailer. Exactly. I mean, we were kind of talking a little bit about this earlier. Like once you get to like the, the Willow Talkeetna area, like you're, you're really outside the orbit of Anchorage. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just that far out there at that point. So yeah. Anchorage it really is. is it's it's a nice trip but it's and i guess it's almost as close to yeah i guess talkeetna and um, willow is almost as close to anchorage as anchorage would be to like kenai mm -hmm. does that sound yeah, right it'd be fair yeah, yeah it'd be yeah. fair it'd be fair um well <laughs> I, and I think about it it's almost as far as so if you're in downtown atlanta georgia um that drive is as far as Atlanta is to Tacoa Falls. Um, and for folks down south, they might know that. Um, and uh, North Carolina is from Raleigh to Greenville. I know because I drove that in college a lot. So, you know. Um. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. So let's uh, let's dive into some of these questions again here, guys. Keep them coming in here. We've um, got some great ones in here. So keep them coming. I know you got more. So one coming in from whoop, one coming in from Brandon has life below zero asked you to be on their show and another Alfred <laughs> family have followed near Willow turned them down recently. This might be your interview. This might be your big, no, I'm really hoping that my cast iron kitchen will get me to be the uh, spokesperson for waffle house when they come up here to Alaska. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, that's the show I, you know, I want to do, but, um, no, no life below zero. hadn't asked me anything. Um, but I, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm sure that's just a matter of time though. Sure. Yeah. All right. So I've got another question in here from Sign Digger. So why do boroughs charge property tax on properties where there are no benefits to the owner? So I I don't know. Maybe you know a bit more about the um, services and everything that's provided out there. Can you give any clarity on that? No, I think that's a that's kind of like a, that's our area of general real estate. I mean, it wouldn't make any difference if it was, you know, here or, you know, the the Anchorage borough, you know, if there's nothing there, you know, they still will potentially tax it. I would say that, though, in part, um, there's going to be tax on that because of the fact that if you own it and they've got to send somebody in after you. They still got to get a helicopter in there. They still got to get services if if you're in a remote section um, and uh, and there. So while we can sit there and say that you're, you know, that would be my guess. And boy, shoot me for that one. But, uh, you know, you're still going to be dependent on on having help um, in a lot of those places. So um, and they got to know how to find you. That'd be my best guess. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, too. 
Um, in Alaska, there's no income tax. There's for a lot of it, there's really no sales tax either. So yeah. when we look at property taxes, that's really the state's one and only. Yeah. Yeah. At least yeah, only, yeah. That's pretty much their only option, which I wish they would change that because I'm tired of my uh, property values magically going up every time. <laughs> Aren't you though? Yeah. It, it really kind of makes you cringe. Um, Just but you know, the, bit. Yeah, but you know, part of it too is you know the the more simply you live, the less taxes are going to get hit on there too. The more simple your property and what's there and the value it doesn't mean that it doesn't have value. The more important value out there is the value it is to you as the the property owner and um, cabin or homeowner out there that you know you're there for for what's there, um, you know. Yep, that definitely does make sense. All right, so guys, we're going to loop back to the comments section again in just a bit here. Let's go ahead and jump to this question, because I think somebody else kind of asked this um, in about the same words earlier. So what do you wish you'd known before getting a property in that area? Oh, wow. What do you wish you'd known before getting a property in that area? That's a great question. Um, wow, when I think about that, I think it. I think it really would have to be the impact of of the, of the daylight and those changes. Um, but I think the second part to that would also be, um, just how, how dependent it is that you take care of, of your stuff and what you own and what you're dependent on that the importance of maintenance on the home, the cabin, which is all important, but you, you really can't take any part of it for granted. You know, um, uh, I just was, my wife and I were talking and, uh, you know, um, the, the end of an extension cord that, um, that I fixed the other day is, you know, our extension cords are, you know, negative temperatures. We've got to have those for particularly living out there to keep our battery warm or our block heater so we can start our car in the, in the temperature. Um, and, uh, you know, those are expensive, <laughs> those are expensive. I had no idea what, you know, it, doing an extension cord would be. And it was like going, man, you know, do you want, do you want a finger with that too? I mean, come on, you want, I do I have to give my pinky up for this thing, but you know, it's to say, you know, a $6, um, in for that extension cord and knowing what I'm doing, um, to replace it. Well, that just saved me, you know, 45 bucks. Um, uh, the other piece of that, I would say four wheel drive and that's just for Alaska, all wheel drive, four wheel drive. Um, and, uh, you know, that the, the, the need for that <laughs> cannot be, um, spoken of enough. Um, and, uh, we can't live without that up here. You know, 
So without getting too far into politics, which I try to always stay away from, you know what? Um, I don't want an electric truck out where I live. Uh Uh-uh. Don't do that. Don't pull that game with me. I need something that's going to haul, something that's going to pull, something's going to get me out when I'm stuck. Um, and that I can help out my neighbor when they need it. Um, I'm not, I'm not counting on Elon Musk's electric trucks to help me out there. And I, I don't even want an F-150. That, that's just two bad things to me in my mind. Um, pardon my for, for getting pol- political on that one, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you're good. You're good. <laughs> uh, we have a, have a question in here from Stan. So, uh, yeah, if you don't know how to do bush fixes, it's probably not going to be for you. <laughs> Yep, that's exactly right. That, that's that exa- sounds- and you will, and if you don't know, you will learn quick. Um, gonna learn pretty fast here. So, got a question in here from Nigel. So, on the social side of buying, when uh, properly off grid, do you try to know anyone around? Is it just expected that you're out there to be out there, um, or is there any neighbor? Um. I think people approach that differently. Um, and I think that's a fair way to say that me, I like to know my neighbors, um, call that my Southern roots. Um, and you know, part of that's awesome knowing who you can count on and who can count on you. Um, again, it does go back to as you plan for it, and you look at the real brass tacks of this, it it really has to go. You have to be self-sufficient. That being said, knowing your neighbors, knowing who they are, knowing their limitations, getting to know them enough. So, you know, <laughs> I don't want to talk to that person um, any more than I have to. Or, you know what, this is these are folks that we can, you know, have some time outside the campfire. You're not going to see them all that often. I mean, really and truly, even in the areas that you might classify as a city out in Willow, Talkeetna, those areas, you're, you know, you're not really next door in the sense that you can see your neighbors. Most everybody keeps enough of a tree line up around their properties that they're really kind of back there a little bit. They want that. And so um, there are neighbors and you can be neighborly. but it's it's how you go about doing it, um, and uh, and it's learning the folks that are there. So um, yeah, I think that's the best way I could say that. It, it's what you want. I mean, do you want neighbors or do you want do you not want neighbors? Um, so yeah, and that's that's yeah. I mean, even here in Wasilla, like I, I'm still you know we've got a little acre lots here. Everyone mm-hmm. my little area. It's not really a subdivision. Um, it kind of has a, a great little agricultural feel to it, um, but everyone still sticks to themselves. It's not, you know, nearly as um, as remote as that. But even then, it's like, do I? I've been here for about six months now. Do I just go introduce myself to everybody, or do I need to have a block party? Uh, do I not want to know? Do I not want to know who's living around me? Yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> Oh, uh, but if you're living yeah, more you remote, can, I, I actually see a lot of value in at least knowing who's around you because sometimes you're going to need help. Sometimes they're going to need help. So 
And yeah. Kind of yeah. Ways. All right. Got another one coming in hot from Seattle crime gal. How dangerous is the wildlife there to small pets, women, and kids? We have some pretty big coyotes on our property in Washington and the occasional black bear. Our most grizzly are, I'm sorry, moose grizzly bears, a constant threat. Um, so let's start with, let's, let's dispel that really the concern. I, I, yes, there are, there are bear issues that happen. The more dangerous animal is the moose. Um, as far as it goes and part of it, I think has to do with people just not paying attention and understanding. They're not just a big deer. Um, and you have to always be on the lookout for moose you gotta i mean bears are gonna hibernate they're gonna go away for a while you gotta have bear spray it's in every vehicle we have um you gotta take it with you you gotta know how to use it um for those times that they might come up um moose yeah you could be an anchorage and before i moved up here there was a university of anchorage student that was killed by a moose um, coming out of the student center um, right before I moved up here, even wasn't wasn't more than a year or two because um, he just came right out and was right between the mom and the calf. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I, that's kind of like the if Alaska had like an indoctrination system and process like that would be one of the, the first stories and videos people are showing as they get up here. Because I, I remember like the same the same thing seeing it and it's like, yeah, you got to watch your six at all times yeah um so and when i you know i talk to my daughter sometimes about this and you know she said that alaska is kind of like the uh, the australia of the united states um you know it, it's coming at you from every direction if it's not the weather it's an animal um <laughs> you know um but uh yeah moose are, are definitely an issue it's just really being alert to it um, you know, sometimes we let our guard down thing about moose is, man, they, they could be there and you not even know it, um, with bears, at least they smell. Um, so your nose will probably pick up on their presence before, um, you even see a bear, uh, and, uh, but a moose, man, they are quiet as can be. And, um, you'll know they'll give signs. Um, and you know, it's just kind of learning that, um, as far as it relates to small pets, you know, women and kids, um, you know, I will tell you, I, I don't, we don't let our cats out. Um, we got cats. Um, and, uh, it's not because I'm worried about bears or moose. It's cause I'm worried about an Eagle coming by and snatching one up. Um, uh, you got to realize that, I mean that, and even small dogs, you know, that's a tasty treat for an Eagle. And, uh, you know, those are everywhere. Uh, you know, when you go fishing, boy, the, you know, the Eagles are, can be almost as abundant as crows and, uh, seagulls, uh, at certain places, um, during fishing. So there's a lot of things to think about there. Um, you know, so, you know, it, it really is just kind of learning. Is it a constant threat? I would say moose are the constant threat. If you were to say that there was a constant threat, bears are seasonal, um, but it, it's moose. Um, and that doesn't matter where you're because they have the right of way in the city and everywhere else. Um, and uh, um, so, yeah, it's the best I can say. And I wouldn't don't whatever you do, don't let don't let that part of Alaska discourage you from coming here. Uh, I mean, that I me, mean, it is part of Alaska, but 
uh, it's worth it. I mean, cause there's nothing so awesome. <laughs> so, so here in, in, in Anchorage, my wife was walking out the front door the other day and she felt the breath of the moose. It was oh. that close to our front door. It breathed and, you know, thankfully she was right by the front door. So, um, so I mean, that that's cool. Where are you going to have that happen? I, I mean, that's just as cool as can be. Um, dangerous, but it's still cool. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll have to post the, uh, the video up on my Instagram, like in a couple of days here, but actually just the other day I was out for a run and I look out, there's, just one road going in the direction I need to go. Like going back is not an option. I literally have two moose on opposite sides of the road. This is a two-lane two road. It was like, oh, this is a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of a thing. <laughs> like which oh, one's the mama, which one's the calf? <laughs> mm. Oh my word! That's even worse because once those antlers are off, oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh. Wasn't real happy on that one. Luckily, it turned out okay, but I could see how it couldn't. How it uh, <laughs> might not have. All right. Let's see here. So let's. Uh... So I'm going to throw a free one out here. So it and while you're looking for the next question, so one of the things that and this is just the Southern Boys observation I learned early on: the official garment, if there was a article of clothing that is the official garment of Alaska. It's a hoodie. Everybody has multiple hoodies of every type. So if you want to fit in when you move to Alaska, get a couple of hoodies. Um, I, I wear hoodies like all the time. Just saying. Yeah, people will. Uh, people won't trust you if you don't have hoodies. Honestly, like, that's, <laughs> that's how prevalent it is. <laughs> Well, I, okay, so I got the rubber boots. Okay, you can get by without the rubber boots as long as you got warm boots. Because if you ever complain about your feet being cold, that's your own fault up here. Yeah, I've got lots of good options there. So I've got another one here from Brandon. How is Willow for growing crops? I don't know if you have a whole lot of insights on that, but thought uh, um, give it a shot. Yeah, you know, um, Willow. If you take care of the ground, a lot of people do raised beds because it's easier to take care of because you're going to deal with permafrost up here. And if you don't know what that is, that's a huge thing that you need to learn about. And that's how, you know, the way that the ground heaves as it freezes and thaws throughout the course of the year. It's, you know, it relates to how we build things up here um and uh, and how things are done but there's a lot of people in in order to do that and it things grow very well up here um fruits and vegetables do really good um and uh the thing that that i tell people about um don't trust everything that you see on youtube on this course not like you hadn't already kind of picked that up from us um <laughs> i think a little bit already but um the university of anchorage fair or university of alaska fairbanks is the headquarters of our extension office. And if you're not familiar with extension offices um, run by our university systems, um, there's usually one there. I think there's one in every state. Um, those are the folks that understand how to build homes, uh, how to live off grid. But more importantly, they know all of the things about our, our climates and what to grow, where to grow it and those kind of things. Um, and, uh, you know, the extension offices are, are waiting there. I can tell you, they're waiting for phone calls and they love to talk and help people out on these issues. That's why they exist. 
Um, the other thing is the Willow, um, the Willow li public library has a seed library. And so you can, people have a place there that you can go and get seeds that have, have been from things grown in Willow and you can take them and grow. And when you get your crop, they ask that you take seeds from your crop and bring them back to the library and put those into uh, the seed library. So it keeps um, proliferating that library. So it, I, I don't know many places that have a seed library. So if that tells you something, yeah, you can grow stuff in Willow and that's not a problem. Man, that's awesome. All right, let's see here. Uh, we're uh, we're getting some good ones rolling in here. So let me, okay, this one just kind of made me laugh coming in from Andrew. I live remote Alaska, had a polar bear tracks like 30 feet away from my house. So um, <laughs> yeah, no one's, no one's going to fight you on that. I think you're probably the nope. most remote exotic one here. <laughs> yep, you win there, man. Uh, you win hands down. I, we don't have polar bears down here. Uh, uh, you yeah. can keep them. You yeah, can keep no, them. Not, uh, not fun, fun, fluffy animals. You're not going to see a Coke anywhere in sight when you see one. Nope. All right. Looking at Mr. Patrick Coyne, Willow's ground can be quite terrible. Nice area um, if you can find good ground. So, yeah, that's kind of just reiterating. Um, kind of yeah. And then like I said, if people have, um, I think Simple Living Alaska has a great set of videos about how they've grown stuff out there and you know but the, i mean they're they're not unique in that um most people do that and make their own raised beds and they are all over the place um that that's really going to be where you're going to do it but the, you know while the soil itself is bad the climate is great for growing things it's a small growing season but you can grow a lot of great stuff yeah i mean the the world's biggest like cabbages and like all these produce like are grown right here in the area. Um, yeah. I mean, they're so going to the, the state fair. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you need to go look it up, but yeah, it's so big to the point where it's like, is that, is that safe <laughs> to eat? Like it's, that, it's that, those are the proportions we're talking about. All right. So let's see here. And this is going to kind of answer a question we had earlier talking about Arctic entries, but are homes different in your area than from the rest of Alaska? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, as a realtor, I, I think I have to be very careful, Jamin, uh, how I answer this. Don't <laughs> yeah. um, well, so there, so I, I think it's important. So there are codes by which builders and electricians and plumbers and folks tend to operate. Those that are licensed and bonded protect that license and bonding. But what you need to know about where we live in part, there, while those folks have codes they will build with, there are not building codes in the sense that you go down and you go register that you're going to build something and the borough is going to come check out what you build. Going up towards Talkeetna, 
If you go and look, I'm trying to remember where it is, north of Montana Creek. If you'll stay over looking on the left, you can do a Google search for the um, the Dr. Seuss house. I guarantee you that's not built to anybody's code of anybody anywhere. I think that's going to fail codes left and right. Oh, yeah, I, I see so, the. Oh, that's yeah. That that's on the market now, isn't it? Or it was on the market. Oh, is it really? Yeah, I, I oh saw my. it come up. I think now I could be wrong. Could be wrong. <laughs> I think I saw it pop up just a little bit ago because like ninety percent of my friends on Facebook are realtors, and I saw this post there. So I'm assuming it's on the market. I could be wrong though. <laughs> Man, I would have loved to have been the the agent to got that one. Wow. Um. <laughs> That's, uh, but that's uh, yeah, yeah, but no, I, I mean, you can really, um, so in that regard, in here in Anchorage, you can't just go build whatever you want, but out there, you can go build pretty much anything you want. Um, and when you drive out there, um, uh, yeah, you'll see if you look closely enough, drive far enough, you'll see just about everything out there um you know our place um as we built it we've tried to build it according to codes in terms of you know um 16 on center studs and you know doing those kind of things um but you know like for most of us we're going to build on sono tubes um um down south you'll be thinking of pylons probably but you know we pour in these tubes that we build up on that are able to adjust and heave with that that frost heave and shift um, you know, um, but you know, there's also things you don't build with. You're not going to find brick up here. Um, that, that's not going to be something. And I guarantee you <laughs> out that Nope. You ain't going to find brick. If you do, boy, somebody did some hauling. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the reason for that is every time you have any bit of like, um, frost heave or earthquakes is more what I'd be thinking of. You yeah. Get that, um, yeah. You get that uh, that mortar martyr that's not the word mortar no that's not the word mortar either. well mortar. the mortar are you talking about in the bricks yeah well the uh the yeah. uh what is that uh well like the this isn't the right word like the paste between the bricks yeah so that's like, mortar all... that's mortar that is the mortar yeah. okay totally that's mortar yeah that. yeah you're okay. right you're right but because so, yeah, it's gonna damage your sheetrock just just cracks and like falls apart like i've yeah. seen it for a few buildings with it up here <laughs> Yeah. And, and it's also too, you know, having done some, you know, working on doing some of the, the stuff in my cabin, you know, building some walls and, and some of the different stuff that I do, um, you know, knowing where you're going to use screws with the wood and where you're going to use nails, because there's that give and take that if you put a screw into something, it doesn't give, it's going to break, it's going to shift and things are going to separate. Whereas a nail will give some movement. Um, even, I mean, that's how important it has to be at, at certain levels out here. Um, so something to think about. Yeah. I mean, it's really unique to me every time. Like, cause I mean, I'm connections all over the state going all over the place and I'm kind of yeah, you do. people what's, what's unique yeah. about their area. And I mean, you go places like, um, up on, up on Barrow. I know that's not the correct word. I no chance at all of pronouncing the, uh, the correct. I think it's Ukiavik. Is that it? Okay. You, you, I believe that's right. Ukiavik. Uki Ukiavik or Ukiavik? I think it's Ukiavik, but I could be butchering it too. But I'll give it a shot. Okay. Uh, well, I'm I'm sure we're gonna get obliterated in the comment section. 
<laughs> so either way, though, you go up there and the ground up there, it's the water tables like 15 feet below the surface. So everything is just kind of slowly settling into the ground. You go, you know, further in the southeast, they have all the, the filter systems set up to catch all the rainwater. Um, you go up to like Willow and you've got those those sono tubes and kind of those pylon foundations. So it's it's really unique just to see the differences in all these different areas. Yeah. So real quick here. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Oh, good. I said it right. Yes. All right. Awesome. So coming in from Stan, awesome looking house, but it's listed all caps does not meet code. Okay. So <laughs> talking about the uh, Dr. Seuss house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so a so question I had um, coming in here from Brandon. Let me see if I can dig it up again. But his, his question is about um, having arctic entries for houses in the Talkeetna willow area so is that something you'd recommend is that something that's oh. common up there? yes i would recommend that highly um so um yeah it, it makes a difference even a small one um our place that that's one of the things that that in our our cabin that we have plans to, to work on. Um, but, uh, my, uh, when I first came up here, um, my wife has a poster that, uh, um, that she has on the door. It's a picture of a, of a truck where they left the, uh, the, the door open, um, in the snowstorm and, uh, the whole inside is covered in snow. And it says the first rule of the Arctic is shut the door. Um, and, uh, you know, there is so much, um, even with, uh, I've spent a lot of time this winter actually doing additional winterizing, finding every crack and crevice, um, where, um, where we needed to add more insulation and seal, um, all those places where the air is getting in and, you know, and part of what an Arctic entry does is it allows you to get that, that break of catching all that stuff. Cause you're not going to typically, you can heat it, um, you know, maybe with a space heater or something, but you're really catching and giving yourself kind of that, that a wider berth between like a storm door and the main door of your house. Um, and it just gives you a bigger space. It allows all that cold air to be trapped out there. Um, and so when you come in, it just doesn't transition and you freeze off your whole house because then, then your, your heating system now has got to crank everything up again. You know, whether that's wood heat, whether that's using a Toyo stove, an oil heater, or, or you happen to be lucky enough to have, you know, a central heat system, um, in your place, you know, you got to address every single bit of that. Um, and that's just a lot of extra work on your system. Right. All right, so let's answer a couple couple questions here, kind of more of a more fire round style because we've got. I love all the comments and questions we have here, guys. So keep them coming. This is how we know that we're um, that we're on target for what's going to help you guys. So I do have a question here from brandon just asking about will electric company put extra outlets for block heaters on a separate pole is that something you've seen a lot of um 
the electric company is not going to, I'm not sure where that would even happen. Uh, the electric company is typically not going to come out and do that. Um, that may be something you could get an electrician to do um, and run that. Um, you know, you're, you know, I'm certainly, I will, I will gladly say I'm not a uh, licensed electrician. So this is no advice, but if you're going to get one, if you wanted to do that, which um, we, we actually did, is to make sure that we had extra outlets on the outside of our cabin so that we could um, have places. <laughs> my my wife got a great picture this last Christmas where um, we had all uh, a lot of our kids came up and were parked at our cabin and there's like five vehicles and all of them had were plugged in, <laughs> um, staying warm. So it's a really cool picture um, out in the snow. So you know you can definitely do that. I mean, um, external outlets are common up here. So yeah, you're gonna and you're gonna want that. Yeah, I can only imagine. All right, got a couple more here. So I've got this is an interesting scenario. So coming in from Blessed Thistle Farmstead, we're a small organic farm in Caribou, Maine. We're debating bringing our sheep to the Matsu Valley. Um, is there far? Are there are? Uh, sorry, butchering that. Are Ooh, there farmers wow. that sell hay there? How much for a round bale? I don't know. Do you have any clarity really on the kind of the agricultural? Side um, of in that area. Well, yeah, that's a great one. So, um, so in the Matsu, and particularly over, I know in the area around where the uh, where we have the state fair. Um, I guess it's really in Palmer. Um, there's there's significant farms over there. Um, and cattle farming. So that is something I think in the Matsu. Um, you know, it is you know driving up there, you're going to go through an area we call the hay flats. Um which is a state preserve. So, you know, there is, hay is a part of up here. Um, and yeah, the fact of the matter is we have a lot of microbreweries um, and cider companies, and they're going to be very dependent on a lot of that kind of stuff up here um, for the brewing that they do. Um, so, yeah, I, I you know, that, that's kind of above my pay grade as far as that goes. I'm a redneck, but I guess maybe my neck's not quite that red. Um, um, I do have a John Deere tractor, so there is that. But um, um, I don't do a lot of that. So I'm not sure how much a round hay bale would be. But I would think reaching out to the extension, I would reach out to the extension offices um, and, uh, and ask them. There's actually, um, I believe it's in Palmer, is the Experiment Farm, which is connected to the extension offices and they have an office out there. Um, so um, I have a phone number. So uh, if you wanted to, to message Jamin or me later, um, you know, I'd be happy to, to, to try to make that connection for you if I can. Um, so, so that is something there's, a, there's definitely um, a whole aspect of that um, that's up here. So. Yeah. It really bugs me because there is literally a hay field, like one block away from my house and there's just bales and bales of hay out there i have no idea who owns it like i have no connection out there whatsoever so well <laughs> they must like be working the land though they're they're working it they're working it i feel like this should be a slow pitch for me but yeah sorry i got not a whole lot more to add to that <laughs> so got a question in here from nigel to make it uh, meta what are the worst misconceptions both of you have about the off-grid lifestyle? To make it meta. Wow. Uh, 
let's see here. I, I think probably the biggest misconception that I can see is um, I kind of alluded a bit to it earlier, just really wanting something that's a little bit more, you know, really just wanting something that's a little bit more remote where you have some more privacy, it's more quiet and not realizing that off grid is like an entirely different lifestyle. Um, the best example I can think of kind of puts, um, it's kind of an analogy. I was looking at um, going and buying um, um, a lodge earlier this summer, um, small lodge, small lodge. And um, yeah, no, not, don't got that good on pole yet. So I was looking at a small lodge and um, yeah, I was like, okay, well, I think it'd be a good investment, good ROI, but you know, a friend of mine, Zach Bramante, um, yeah, they actually do really, truly live off grid and they run a lodge up near Denali national park. Absolutely awesome. Had them on the podcast before. Should probably have them on the live stream. Nice. They'd, be, they'd be really interesting to have on, but, um, yeah, I was talking with him and he was like, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? And he said, well, the thing is running a campsite that's not going to be like a little passive investment. Like that's an entire lifestyle. Like you can't, you can't just slip in and out of that. It's going to be an all or nothing kind of thing. So yeah. it's kind of the same concept and same mindset when you're going off grid, like it, you got to be all in and you got to be willing to, you know, start from very little and really just rough it for, for a long time. I mean, Bush radical, you know, I wouldn't listen to that, that video you mentioned the other day and um yeah i was like yeah this uh yeah that's it's not like you just easily throw it together in like a couple months worth of building and have a little montage of the farm raising and boom like your house is all together it doesn't doesn't work right that way so it, it takes some it takes a lot of work and it's a complete lifestyle change yeah i think for me as i think about it um and there's a lot. I think the thing that bothers me um, and misconceptions is that you can go out and do it and not have a source of income. Because the one thing that I see regularly, and this is what I love about Bush Radical. I mean, he talks about in his videos that, you know, he did concrete work. I mean, he was a contractor. And, and he made a living and he talked about that. The one thing that I don't see a lot of, um, and I think it's a mixed conception, is how people go about doing it and scratching your heads. Because, you know, yeah, there's some YouTubers out there, but you also have to learn a whole, you have to make a career out of YouTube. And that's a whole nother animal in and of itself. And Jamin will tell you, um, you know, being a YouTuber is not an easy thing to do. And building an audience doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. Um, well, you're not going to have time necessarily to get, you know, what some of these people and the few people that are making a living on YouTube, unless you want your whole life exposed. Okay, that, that's fine. But look at how many people have been living out here. They don't have YouTube <laughs> and they're living off grid, but they have jobs and they have work. And, you know, one thing we've talked about for us, we've we have careers. Um, in order to make our Alaska, you know, 
wilderness living. I want to make sure I use my words right. Um, for us to make that happen, we've made that choice. and We've got careers that we have to do in order to make it happen in steps. It, you know, this idea that it's just, boom, let's load up the trailer and we're going to Alaska and that's it. You know, most people can't do that. Uh, we can't. Um, and so, you know, along the way, um, I, I think that's one probably the, the biggest misconceptions that, that it didn't cost anything. Um, and, you know, as Dave Whipple says on Bush Radical, yeah, it doesn't cost as much. There's still a cost to it. Um, and you got to be prepared for that. Um, and Jamin, you got some great videos on about, I mean, there's work to be had in Alaska. Don't get me wrong. You can come up here and there's work. If you're in the right trades and fields, you're not going to have a problem finding work. Um, if you're willing to work. So. Exactly. So we've got some other great questions. Uh, my battery is just about to die. I've got this one uh -oh. right here. All ready to swap <laughs> it out. I'm about to go blank here. And I'm going to set you up on a question here and let you take it from there for just a minute or so. Um, how, oh, there we go. How would you describe the culture of the kind of the Talkeetna Willow area? Oh, wow. Do you want me to wait and respond after the break? Say again. Do you want me to wait and respond after your break? Nope. Go right ahead. Oh, it's going to take okay. you like 30 seconds. Um, Just uh, don't, don't say anything like crazy cray cray and like the next 30 <laughs> seconds will be fine. <laughs> Okay. Um, you know, um, I've lived in a few places and my first wife was from Eastern Kentucky. Um, and so the, one of the things that I've learned, I've lived in a few of these mountain towns, um, in our, in the lower 48. And I think there's a lot of similarities to, um, kind of the, the close knit, um, kind of, um, uh, parts of that community that, uh, that folks take, um, take pride in where they're from um, out there and uh, they do help each other a lot. Um, I'm good friends with the, the um, uh, Christina Dowling Soka is a pastor, uh, her and her husband out in, uh, in Willow at the United Methodist church out there. And they run a big food pantry and, you know, then they're helping people to build um, and providing, you know, helping people and, and connecting people to get firewood during the winter who need that, um, and, and there's a, a real kind of close knit, um, communication system, you know, word gets around quick about things. Um, and, uh, you know, being somebody that builds up the community, um, and enhances the community is all that more important. Uh, I think the saying that, uh, goes and appropriate probably there as much as anywhere is Alaska is a big state, but it's a small town. Um, and, uh, people will know you. Um, and people will come to count on you or not, depending on, on who you are. Uh, I love the culture as far as that goes. Um, you know, each one is a little bit different. Um, Willows doesn't have the centralization, particularly as Talkeetna. You know, Talkeetna is a, a tourist destination. Um, Willow, you kind of just pass through. Um, you know, the uh, gas station is called town site. That's town right there. Um, that little strip. And if you blink, you missed it. Um, whereas Talkeetna people will go out and then you got to get on the spur and you got to be intentional to go out to Talkeetna. Um, and it's, you know, maybe you get lucky when you get out there and you meet the mayor, the cat walking around, um, <laughs> 
And uh, that is what they're known uh, for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of many things, um, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll say Talkeetna. I, I can't help but think of granola. Uh, I think Talkeetna, I, I think about my college days in certain parts uh, around uh, Greenville, North Carolina, when I was going to college, um, that uh, that reminded me of that. And it, and but it's a great place. I, I love going to Talkeetna, um, but and Willow in its own way, um, it's just different. Um, you know, it's a place to kind of stop in. There's a few restaurants there, um, uh, and, uh, supplies and stuff to get, but there, you know, there's a post office and there's a, um, I think there's the Willow Rose now has opened up a thrift store. Um, there's a, like I said, there's a couple of restaurants, a couple of clinics, there's, a um, the true value, um, and, uh, you know, but we're dependent on those businesses. Um, town site, uh, had a fire. Um, and I, there was a lot of real worry about that, um, this last year out in the community when that happened, because we're dependent on those places. And they, they rebuilt in a few months. There was kind of the, there's a really kind of uh, wringing of hands there for a little bit when that happened. So you realize how dependent we are on each other. And, uh, that's one thing I think I like about out there. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's really the case whenever you're, are going to be living in kind of these smaller communities, they tend to be a lot more tight knit, you know, even though everyone's out there trying to, trying to get away from people and trying to get closer to this pioneer spirit. But, you know, in reality, the pioneer spirit was actually very much a, a community endeavor. Yeah. And getting something done. Like we <laughs> kind of have built this up in our heads of just being like these rugged individuals, but no, it was a, it was very much a community yeah. enterprise anytime they did something. And that's, that's kind of been the impression whenever I go to these, these smaller towns. Um, got a couple of great questions here. Got one from uh, Brenda Levitt. Is there a need for teachers? I thought I heard somewhere that there is in some places. Are the schools good there? Anchorage and the surrounding areas. And yeah, we're, we're both telling yes. I mean, yeah. So, so I can, I, I can speak for myself. Um, when I first got up here, I was looking at actually going into teaching. And um, like I had all the classes done except for just doing the school time. And uh, I think like UAA refused to accept any of my classes and said, well, you have to start completely from scratch and go through our program. And it's like, oh, that's convenient. I see why I see why this uh, as a state, we're struggling to to get teachers here. <laughs> So yeah, there, there's going to be a need everywhere. Um, yeah, yeah. I actually, um, I actually was trying to help somebody that was interested in coming up here. They had a teaching degree, but they hadn't had their teaching certificate. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but there is a reciprocity as I understand it in Alaska, that if you have your teaching certificate from the lower 48 already, then that should not be a problem getting up here that there's a reciprocity of accepting uh, those teaching certificates. One of my, one of my former uh, youth group kids, uh, she and her husband have been teachers up in Fairbanks for gosh, I don't know, 10, 15 years now, maybe. Um, And uh, they're raising their family up there. And uh, so the need is there. There's always a lack of teachers. Um, As far as, 
I think there's debate about the school system. I think there's concerns about it, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's, you know, it's been difficult to get teachers up here. Um, and I think, it, you know, the quality of the school system tends to always be related to the quality of the teachers that we have, um, you know, in that school system. Um, and I don't, I can't say that I speak to all the details of that, but, you know, um, good teachers can make all the difference in our community. Um, and I will tell you this, if, if the library system is an indication of the commitment, I think, of the state towards teaching and education, I think that goes a long way. And our public library system, I'm, I'm just amazed by it and impressed by it up here um, and uh, the work they do to provide resources for kids and adults as well to further their education. You know, there's so much available um, through that system. So I think there's a lot trying to be done. Um, and, uh, so we, I think we'd all welcome more teachers. Yep, absolutely. So we're going to grab a couple more questions here, and then I've got a few more questions, um, from our, uh, um, from our scheduled programming. And then we'll go ahead and start wrapping it up here because we are starting to push right up against that hour and a half. And yeah. after a while it, uh, we start to lose focus pretty quick. So let's see. Okay, coming in from Brandon here. I don't know if you have any insight on this one, but I thought I'd ask. So are there builders willing to build in your area and how does that compare <sighs> to in a city? <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now in the city, we got a lot of folks. We've actually, um, I, we've actually had conversation with one potential contractor to help us said, it's just not a cost effective for him to come out there. Um, uh, that being said, there, there are some reputable folks um, from what we're told. Um, it's just, there's not a lot of advertising as far as, as folks out there. Um, and uh, um, yeah, so there's definitely, there's definitely a need for that. Um, and uh, you can find people, but if they're coming um, from too far away, it's going to cost. Um, even coming from Wasilla, you know, there are some contractors that will come out, um, but uh, it's tough. I, I'm, yeah. Yeah. And the more remote it gets, the more challenging it's going to be to build. And I, I don't think that's something a whole lot of people think about when they right. find like super remote property. And it's like, you're going to have a very very small. Yeah, you're going to be chopping that wood. You're going to be chopping that wood yourself. That's it. You're it. You're doing it. So, you know, there's that, you know, but even being, like I said, you know, even our choice to be on the road system, it's still not, it doesn't make it mean it's easy um, to find some of that work. So. Absolutely. So got more of a comment coming in from Mr. Andrews. True fact that a lot of teachers retired and moved to the Valley. Yeah, can't really argue with that, actually, anecdotally. <laughs> uh, let's see. Got one here from uh, Eustatia. Just visited Alaska this last summer, felt at peace and calm there. And awesome. Yeah, that is what we like to hear. So I've got another one coming in from uh, Caitlin Duran. Um, this one's kind of, again, talking about building with a cost of building. I've seen a lot of talk about yurts. Is a yurt actually viable in, in Alaskan winter? Man, I'm trying to Apparently, remember, like... yes. Okay. 
uh, I know exactly what she's talking about because there are a few out um, uh, in our area. Um, so I know there are folks that do that. I would not make the choice, but some folks do. Um, you know, they, I will. I'm amazed at the resourcefulness of where people will live and what people will live in. Um, and a built a yurt designed correctly will be fine. Um, you know, uh, but it is being aware of what you're doing and making sure that it can, that you can heat it, that you can, it's going to shed correctly and you can clear out from around it. But it's the way that I understand the way yurts go, you know, and, and can be that snow that comes off can be used as part of the insulation and almost becomes like a traditional igloo um, from the outside. But yeah, there are yurts out here and people, people do it. it again. It really has to do, you know, how are you building? If what you build doesn't can't handle the snow load, particularly out um, in the area North of, of Wasilla where, where we have our place um, in that Willow Talkeetna area, you know, you better be your your roof better be sixteen uh, on center studs at the minimum, um, because uh, when it gets piled up out there, um, yeah, we've seen the effects of that um, on a roof and on the inside of a home. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, even like a couple months ago when we had all that snow like no roofs caved in or anything like that, but it was like a solid three feet of snow ours like didn't. out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully ours didn't. Um, actually, um, ours has just been shedding. Um, we've had this, uh, the, the pineapple express weather system has come through and warmed things up. And uh, so uh, we have a little break here. Uh, we'll probably have more. I think we got more snow in the forecast coming up this next week, but um you know, we just, our, our roof shed, a lot of the roofs out here on the homes are also metal because they shed so well. Um, you know, uh, you're not going to find many shingled roofs. Um, not that they're not there, but uh, a lot of it's going to be metal roofs, which is nice on a rainy day. Yeah. I mean, as soon as the, the lifespan on the roof that I have now is done, like I'm totally just putting a metal roof <laughs> on it. I don't, I don't care how much more it is. Like it's, just to have one less thing to, to think about. Sure. Sure. All right. So I love the musher coffee slash sandwich cabin by the highway in Willow. And I am actually a great place to, to run, if I recall correctly, going up to the Hatcher's Pass and that Willow yeah. um, highway going up that way. So I'm probably going to be doing some long runs on that in the near future. Um Got a question coming in from Holiday Homestead. What is a farming homesteading like on the Kenai Peninsula? So our family of six is moving Ooh. to uh, Bear Land in Nikiski in April. We are coming from California where we have a four-acre homestead. Um, do you have a whole lot of insight on Nikiski by any chance? Because I can't say that I do. Um, okay. So I won't, I won't steer in any direction there as far as that goes. There are, um, I will say, I believe there are some folks that are living off grid online out on the peninsula. So I would make her, I mean, I'm trying, I wish I had had, had a list of some of those um, that uh, there are a few folks out there that are. So I would really encourage you, you know, to look at that. But then I, again, as I, I said earlier, reach out to the extension office. Um, they are, they, those are the folks that know 
our area and they're going to know that um, and uh, be able to help you and give you some, some better guidance. So um, just look up, I think it's uaf.edu. Um, if you'll go to their webpage um, and, uh, and then look up for the extension office and you'll be able to find who's down there for that. Yep. And I mean, we certainly do have um, agents we can refer you to in that area as well. So, I mean, feel free to, to reach out and be happy to, you know, put you in contact yeah. with a person that's, that's really going to know that area better. Cause I mean, I'm, I've driven through there before, but yeah, I, it's pretty, but I can't really tell you yeah. much beyond that. <laughs> yeah. To actually homestead it, you're going to, yeah, you need somebody with guidance to know kind of what kind of properties you, you know, uh, that, that uh, climate and soils and those kind of things that you're going to need and, and what you can do there. Um, so I, I would do that before moving, make sure you do your, as I tell everybody, I mean, if you're moving to Alaska, do your research, please don't come up and not have done your research. Um, there's a wealth of it out of there, but be prepared. Um, and that's, you know, listen to Jamin. <laughs> he's got, he's got a lot of great, a lot of great shows about, about that up there. And I'm trying to add to that. Absolutely. So let's do this, folks. So we've got um, a couple more minutes here. Um, and so I'm going to have one more scheduled question here, and then we'll take a, a couple more questions after that. So this is going to be kind of your, your final call. If you have some more questions, let's let's try to get in here, get them in here before the um, for the final call. I'll try to make my answers quick to get everybody in. I know. I'm... <laughs> Sounds good. I'm a Southern so... boy. I take it slow. So. <laughs> <laughs> what is the motivation of most people who move out to that area? Like, are they? Uh, I think the motivation for most people is they want to get out of the city. Plain and simple. They don't want to be in a city anymore. Just kind of looking for a slower pace of life and trying to get yep. out of the rat race a little bit. Yep. Every bit of it. Outstanding. All right, so let's go ahead and knock out some questions real quick here. Let's see. Coming in from Brandon, being from the South, how did you learn to love the cold weather? Well, let's 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 take a step back real quick. Do you love the cold weather? Maybe <laughs> let's start with that. Uh, uh, as a as a, fr a fellow pastor um, said, there's no such thing as as bad weather. There's just bad gear. Um, no, I, I don't really care. Um, you know, it's living life. Um, I I've been through, um, I wrote a book, um, life sucks, seek God, um, that's on Amazon. Um, I've been through enough in my life. I, you know, I want to live, I want to enjoy my life, um, that I have it, um, you know, coming from the South up here, I love it up here. Um, first time my parents came to visit me, um, uh, my mom looked at me and, uh, I'll never forget it. She said, you belong up here. Um, and, uh, I grew up reading Jack London books um, and uh, Call of the Wild um, and uh, um, White Fang is probably my favorite book. Um, and that poster has been on my wall from the movie White Fang um, for years. And I didn't realize the connection. And so I got up here and I was looking one day and, I, and there's a poster, movie poster on my wall, in my office. And I said, holy cow, I'm living up here now. Um, and I never thought about that. And, uh, you know. Learning to love the cold weather, it's just being ready for it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, I mean, I've also found, too, if you can 
kind of create things that are uh, going to make the winter easier, at least on the cold front. Um, I found like a wood stove goes a long way to help. Um, it's a little steeper, but it a um, you know a hot tub goes a long, long way too. Um, if you don't, if you don't mind, because like living off grid, it's a lifestyle. You have to become an amateur chemist <laughs> to not kill someone in your hot tub. But yeah, that that helps a lot. Sure. Yeah. Okay, coming in from Florida, Dad. Talkeetna is amazing. How common is it for hunters slash fishermen to own seasonal off grid properties around there? I'll admit, I and envy uh, Steve Ranella's cabin? Um, actually, I think it's pretty common. Actually, there's a lot of folks that have. I've had uh, friends of mine that have asked me about looking for places for them uh, from the lower 48. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of little cabins like that because the nice thing about those kind of cabins, particularly in those properties, is you don't need air conditioning up here. Um, and you know, you can take care of a lot of stuff in the summertime. So, you know, if you don't have any of those systems in the places, you know, when you walk out and you leave, you lock the door and you leave the property. Um, and, uh, you know, once the snow hits the ground, nobody's getting back there. Um, because as I tell people, once the snow hits up here, it doesn't melt typically. Um, we're kind of having a little mild patch here. So we're, we've got some melt going on. Um, but typically once the snow hits the ground in November, we're going to have it until, uh, probably April, um, May. And it's been known to be on the ground till June. So, um, the one thing you've got to worry about though, is the squatter issue. And, uh, you know, don't, don't think you can just buy it and just leave it and think nothing happens. People come in and break in and call it their home. Mm-hmm. And there's laws that will protect a squatter if you're not careful. So, you know, but it can be done and people do it. Outstanding. So we've got a couple more here. I, I think we're winding down. You got a few more in you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Man, I can, I can okay. go all night. This is fun. Okay. Good deal. So what is, what's the name of the book? That uh, that you wrote again? Oh, uh, life sucks. Seek God. Uh, I I wrote it after um, my wife died. Uh, my first wife. Um, Got it. Outstanding. And this is coming in from Joshua. We are moving to Anchorage later this year, and we are avid hikers. Do most people hike in groups, or is solo hiking still a thing despite wildlife? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, solo hiking happens all the time. You're talking to somebody that runs trails by himself, uh, <laughs> Jamin. So, um, yeah, people do that all the time. It really is just a matter of being prepared. Um, if you not, not to get into the debate about uh, firearms, but uh, make sure that if you are doing that, carry the right and appropriate caliber um, and know how to use whatever firearms you choose to use. Um, when you go out, though it's not encouraged, um, bear spray is far more important. Learn the wildlife, um, know where you're at and be aware at all times where you are. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, one thing I probably would also say, if you're not a pet person, okay, but having a good dog that likes to walk and can be out with you, that is, you know, uh, able to, uh, to be a part and be a companion on that journey. They are far more alert to the wildlife around us than we are. Um, and, uh, if you are regular at that, uh, as somebody that's hiked the parts of the Appalachian trail and have been a big hiker throughout my life, I, 
I've probably never been more adamant about having a dog on a trail and a hike than after moving to Alaska. Um, I would definitely. So just a thought there to think about. But yeah, people are hiking all the time up here. Lots of trails. Outstanding. Yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of second second that. Um, you can certainly go out there and do it yourself, but you've got to be ready in case, you know, everything does hit the fan. You do need to have some kind of <laughs> some kind of plan. And um, I did a little video a little bit ago talking about like the top five dumbest things that I've done. Or, like <laughs> I nearly died as a result. And nearly oh. every single one of them started with, yeah, I was out there by myself. Didn't tell tell anyone where I was at. <laughs> well, so, I will say do that. My, don't do that. Mine was on an ATV and I had an audience and I almost died. So there you go. Um, <laughs> Comes in all shapes and sizes. That would be a more epic way to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So got a couple more questions here and uh, wrap it up. So got one yeah, from, the... from Brandon. So as a realtor, would you recommend, in buying or building in Willow? Oh, wow. Thanks, Brandon. That's a great question. Um, I think I'm going to give two. I, I think there's two, two responses to that. If I, I would go either way. If you are buying um, and this is something I tell everybody, if you're buying something already built, make sure you find the best inspector and you make sure that you come out with your nastiest boots and dirty clothes and that you're not worried about getting messed up and you follow that inspector around everywhere. Know the property you're buying. I, there's good properties already out there. Um, the second part, Building in Willow, yeah, you could definitely build in Willow, and then you know exactly how it's done. Um, and I say that because if you watch some of one of my recent videos where I did a spoof of Die Hard, um, the bottom of our cabin in our crawl space was not insulated correctly, but it wasn't built and sealed correctly, and it's been that way for years, and nobody knew it until we tried, until uh, we got in there, and we started to live in it year round. And suddenly understand how important it is to chink things and make sure things are uh, sealed correctly and uh, vapor barriers. And I learned more about insulation and vapor barriers this year than I ever have in my entire life. Down south, it's not that important. Up here, you want it all the time. So I, I think whatever it is, whatever property you're looking at, whether you're going to build it or it's already done, know what you're know what you're doing and know how it's been put together um, and know everything about it. Um, those would be the two things that I would say. So I think you can go either way. Yep, love it. All right. One more question here. Well, actually, let me just verify. Yep. Got one more question here. And uh, real quick. Um, well, no, we'll, we'll get to that in just a bit here. So other question is why choose the Willow area? Willow slash Talkeetna. We'll say that. That is a great question, um, Brandon. Um, and that's one my wife and I have been kind of scratching our head about. Um, and uh, I wonder, Jamin, if you've been kind of wondering about this too. It seems to be that has been kind of the the thing to do um, is Willow. Um, and, uh, you know, because we don't 
truly live in Willow. Um, but it, you know, we're out in that area. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's far enough out, but at the same time, close enough to things that people need and want. And so they can feel that they're on their own, even though they're not. Um, And I think that's why people right now are choosing the Willow area. Um, I think there's a lot of us um, and having been a, a boy scout leader for a lot of years and going out, backpacking i think people get grandiose ideas about things and and i know a lot of stories from the appalachian trail um about how people started with grandiose plans um there's a lot of people's dreams that have been left behind in willow talkeetna but also in big lake and other places that people didn't measure what they were doing before they did it you can choose Willow, you can choose Talkeetna, you can choose lots of places, but if you're not prepared to go and live there and do it and you haven't um, taken that time to be attentive to it, I think it'd be a problem. But, I mean, that's why I think people choose Willow. It, it kind of has that feel um, and, and why it's popular for, for us. It, it kind of was chosen for me because it was already in our family where we had our cabin. Um, but I know the choices of that were in relation to, you know, it was on the road system. Um, we are on a uh, nearby. We have access to a river where we can fish. Uh, we have enough property that um, we can um, we can mill our own lumber, chop our own trees, get our own firewood. We got plenty of birch that we can tap. So there's a lot of things that are out there um, that we can live on. Um, and I think there's a thing about it is you don't have to worry about air conditioning up here. Um, not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> if you can stay warm and there's a, that's a resource, you know, down South, it's hard to live off grid cause you got to have air conditioning. That's rough. Um, so uh, I don't know if that answers the question fully, but, uh, that's my, that's, that's my take on it. Yep. Outstanding. So we've got one more question in here from Josh and I think this one's directed to me. So question for AR, uh, what do you think is a hotter market for resale of new construction in the future, Eagle River or Anchorage? You know, personally, I would probably say Eagle River, and that's because the resale value is already higher in Eagle River than it is in the rest. Um, majority of Anchorage, you get certain areas that gives Eagle River a good run for its money, but per square foot for the entire area, Eagle River is a lot higher, and a Big reason for that is just because there's a scarcity of land in Eagle River. It's right up against the mountains. It's yeah. right up against the river. And then you've got uh, Jay Bear like right there in that area too. So if you're just looking for kind of a good resale market where it's going to be pretty predictable, then that's, that's going to be a pretty good solid market for you to be looking at. Um, but other than that, you know, everybody, thank you very much for, for joining us. Um, Ken, it always a pleasure, sir. And, um, Oh man, you know, thank you. Yeah. I mean, you definitely do come in with a, uh, with a ton of, um, information insights to the area. And I, I really do appreciate that. I'm sure everyone's got a lot of great value out of it. 
Um, for those of you who were, you know, listening and uh, throwing questions in there, you know, means the world to us. Thank you very much. Yeah. And um, if you want to get a hold of um, of Ken, you know, certainly feel free to um, uh, reach out down below. We'll have a little contact link. Go ahead and click that. I'll make sure to get you in, in contact with Ken. Uh, for people who want to follow you, maybe on social media or somewhere like that, where's going to be a, a good place for them to go? Yeah, so I put my tag on there to Instagram is Ken L. Hagler, but you can get me on YouTube at Ken Hagler. Um, uh, either of those places you can find me. You can find me on Facebook. I'm not hard to find. I've been an author now for so many years. <laughs> if you Google me, you'll find me. Um, um, and, and if you're lucky, you might be able to track down the uh, the picture of me that one of my former bishops um, had removed um, because I was wearing a cowboy hat and an eye patch. And my Boy Scout uniform. Uh, he didn't like Can't that. Have so that. Much. Can't, <laughs> Can't have that. Can't have that. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, kind of sets the tone for a little bit about who I am. I'm not. I don't quite fit the mold. Um, so maybe I fit here in Alaska probably better in most places. Uh, so, but thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed hearing from folks. Hey, well, thank you again very much. And um, you know, we'll definitely have to have you on again sometime. And everyone else, thanks for watching. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks here. In a couple of weeks, we're actually going to be sitting down with uh, with Bill Yuri again. And we'll be sitting down with his uh, with his builder to talk about new construction here in the, the Matsu Valley awesome. and kind of the, the general area. So you don't want to miss that. That's going to be a, a great live stream. I know a lot of folks got a lot of value out of that last time. And um, Bill is back from pop uh, by popular demand. So I'm looking forward to having him back on here as well. But again. Everyone, thanks for watching and we'll see you in a couple of weeks.